Good morning again. Um, I'm going to ask you if you for, forgive me if I, if I have an extra long pause after a sentence. I, um, I'm used to having a translator with me. Uh, so I usually have a, I'll, I'll say my sentence, and while they're translating, I'll, I'll look down, check my notes, make sure I haven't lost my place, and then I come back up. And um, when, I, when I've had the occasion to preach uh, with the, in the Roma settlement, I'll preach in English, and then it'll get translated into Slovak, and then it'll get translated into Romani. So there's an extra long pause. So if they, only, if they give me 30 minutes to preach at the Roma church, I, I can only prepare 10 minutes. So I have to be very, very precise. Um, in my words. So it is a, it's, a, it's a thrill to, to be able to, to, to preach today um, in English. Um, if you'll turn in your Bibles uh, to our text today, is found in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, familiar passage uh, of the Holy Spirit coming on the, 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 the believers at Pentecost. Uh, and down in verse 41, um, after the whole city, see, here's, this, here's this sound. They rush to see what's, what this is all about, the, the, the apostles. Uh, and, and Peter began explaining it, and Peter's, you know, rises, his voice rises above, and he shares, um, uh, he, he presents the gospel and pleads with them. Uh, and then we're, that's, and so we're going to start right here uh, in verse 41. So Acts chapter 2 verses 41 through the end of the chapter. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is uh, the story of your church. This is the story, the beginning um, of us seeing what, uh, what Christ does in our hearts and lives uh, when we encounter uh, the broken and risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Father, help us today to continue uh, in Christ Jesus as we hear the word who became flesh, in his name we pray. Amen. Last week, we were, um, we were up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we were sharing our ministry at, an, at another PCA church. And uh, we were staying with some dear family friends. And as I shared with, with Norman, our host, um, about our ministry and our emphasis on, um, on body life and community life in the church, he shared with me some insights and uh, and he is um, very wise, and so I was eager to hear what he had to say. And he, he shared that from his reading of Scripture, and as he's been studying Scripture the last number of years, he really sees one thing uh, that is foundational to the church. His reading of Scripture has convinced him that it's of great importance for the church, for the body of Christ, to be of one accord. 
Um, and then, quite spontaneously, he quoted this passage that we just read today from memory. It was, it was, um, it was awe-inspiring um, just to hear that, that spontaneous um, uh, recitation of, of God's word. Uh, it, was, it was very powerful. Um, and it, it made me wonder and consider, as we're talking about the early church, what it must have been like for, for gatherings and homes uh, for people to read and hear read the, the letters from, from Paul and the other apostles. Um, and so today, if you were here during the Sunday school hour, you, then you, you heard our, our longer presentation uh, of our ministry, and you heard the shorter version this morning. Um, and I, I chose this passage of Scripture because it highlights the beginning of the church, a time when there wasn't a distinction between um, established churches and church planting. Uh, Peter and the apostles have recently been charged with the Great Commission. They've received the Holy Spirit um, prior to today's text uh, at, at Pentecost. And now they preach. They've got this message inside them that just bursts forth. Um, <clears throat> and we're told here in this text that 3,000 people, about 3,000 were added to their number that day and were baptized. And So we add that to the 120 believers um, that were gathered together. Um, and this text shows us a little bit, it gives us some insight into how these new believers lived together. But it doesn't just stop at these, at this, you know, 3,120. A little later in Acts, we read that in one day, 2,000 people were, um, were believed and were baptized. And there are, and in our text today, it says day by day, people were being added. So this, this you know, the Christian faith is just sweeping um, through uh, the Roman Empire and spiritual power was attending the message of the gospel. As we read just above in today's text, it says that the, when they heard Peter's words, they were cut to the heart. Um, the Spirit was opening their hearts and inserting himself. Um, so with this background in mind, I want to look today at this community. And I'll, I'll make some observations about this community, how they interacted, what, uh, what were some of the elements of some of the things that they did together. And one of the first things that we notice is that they were together. They were everywhere together. They were constantly together. They were relentlessly together. Um, they, they didn't get enough of each other. And so they, they went back to each other's homes. They were hungry for time with one another. Regular life was seen as, a, as, a, um, as an interruption uh, to their togetherness. And it wasn't so much as something they did, it's what they were. Um, it was a strange change. It was a whole new existence. Um, community became a sign of life. They came together as a response to this new life within them. Um, so in the context of this new community, we want to ask ourselves some questions. Who, who are these people that came together <coughs> um, to make up this new community? Who, uh, what did they do when they were together and what were some of the signs of their life together? So who, who makes up this new community? At the time of, of this text, um, it was a, a festival time in Jerusalem. There was people from everywhere uh, in the city. Um, there were Jews and Gentiles. There was foreigners and internationals. People who had nothing in common are now immediately meeting in each other's homes. Um, there's a sense of absolute inclusiveness. People who had nothing in common before um, 
uh, are now immediately meeting in each other's homes. There's a sense um, of commonality in Christ that goes deeper than national ties, political ties, or biological ties. Uh, we find this oneness with others across these areas that should divide us. Um, has the gospel brought you into a relationship with anyone like this? Someone that you should naturally despise? Maybe it's, um, uh, maybe it's a, a, a matter of temperament. This person's all touchy-feely, and, and you're not like that, but now you're, you're, you're bosom friends. It could be uh, black, white, blue-collar, professional, um, conservative, liberal. Do you have people like this in your life? Uh, in our context in Slovakia, there's a group of people called the Roma. Um, they're often referred to as gypsies. Uh, the Roma are impoverished, an impoverished, despised minority group uh, in Slovakia and across Central and Eastern Europe. Um, they are seen as uneducated. They're seen as uneducatable, uh, dirty, unsocial. Um, we've even heard people tell us they have different blood. Uh, everything in Slovak culture says stay away, um, or m more precisely, oh, we wish they would just go away. I recently watched a documentary uh, about some Roma in a village um, in, the, in the early 90s um, in a rural Slovak village. And the white villagers were interviewed and expressed their hatred and dis disdain for um, the Roma. One shopkeeper, when she was interviewed, even, even said, I wish Hitler had finished the job. And yet there's Christians and there's churches reaching out to the Roma worshiping together, and helping one another live in community. And I'm privileged to be a part of that work um, in Slovakia. This is what you support me to do, to bridge this gap between Slovaks and Roma with the gospel. I don't have a cultural prejudice uh, or a bad, uh, you know, bad personal experience. Um, with the Roma, and God uses that freedom from history to speak gospel truth into both cultures um, and to bring two cultures together in the commonality um, of our need for grace. So what did these believers do when they came together? We see they came together in both large groups and small groups. Uh, Tim Keller points out uh, what he calls the three L's. There's learning, loving, and liturgy. Uh, and all three of these happen in both the large groups and the small groups. Uh, as, and the first thing they did was they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And as Presbyterians, doesn't that just sound great? They're just solid teaching, proper doctrine, reformed theology before it had to even be reformed. Um, this is straight from the source. Um, and as they were, they're, they're studying what is going to become the New Testament. In a few years, the gospel is going to be written down. The Jews saw this new faith as an extension, as a continuation of, of Judaism. This is the, trans, the, the transformation from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Um, it's a completion um, of Judaism. And so they were learning together. The second L was they loved one another. And they did this through fellowship. Uh, they did this through um, uh, fellowshipping in, in each other's lives. They, they bore each other's burdens. 
one thing we see in the, in the Roma community was, is that the, um, there's extreme poverty, and it's, it's, it's further worsened by the use of loan sharks. And so loan sharks, you know, exploit their own people. But what we've seen is that as people understand the gospel and as they live in community, even in their, even in their settlements, in their ghettos, in their slums, um, they realize they can rely on one another. And when they have a need arise, they don't go to the loan shark anymore. They go to the church. They go to the body of believers. And even out of their own poverty, they can help one another. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's crazy when people see you sharing your half a bag of potatoes because you don't need them. You should save those for later. You might need it later. No, I have it now. I can give. I can, I can help my neighbor. Um, and it's a powerful message. Um, and so they, they, um, they were able later, we see, they, they, they lived together in community. They confessed their sins to one another. They bore each other's burdens. They, they welcomed and affirmed one another. They admonished and confronted um, each other. They were once again finally able to, to be spiritually naked and unashamed because Christ has taken their shame. And this is the beauty of their fellowship together. The third L is, is liturgy. After devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and loving one another, it, it's almost spontaneous they began to worship. They've seen the goodness of God in each other's lives. Uh, and, and how do they worship? They worship through looking upon our, our broken and risen Lord in the, in the sacrament. They broke bread in the in, um, in the, the, the first reference to, to, to breaking bread, there's an article, The Breaking of Bread. So this is specifically talking about the Lord's Supper and, and, and worshiping um, together uh, through the sacrament. As Rebecca and I are discipling our kids, uh, when we have family worship and, and we're reading scripture, we, our kids know to look for repetition. They look for um, hearing what God has, has, has written down twice uh, because it's important. It's, it's emphasized. And it's repeated here in our text, uh, this breaking of bread or, or food um, in verse 46. And different different common commentaries I read said the first is the Lord's Supper, the second is the Lord's Supper, but it's also a fellowship meal. Um, they say they, in some texts it says, in King James it says, they received their, their meat with gladness. Um, and this is a festival time, so there was, there's plenty of meat going around. Um, again, it just points to the fact that they ate together. Um, I, I don't want to fail to recognize something here at, at your church. Um, I've been a part of several fellowship meals. Um, you, do, you do eating together very well. Um, it's, um, I'm glad you ad- adhere to this early, early church tradition. Um, and another element of, the, of the, the believer's togetherness is prayer. How can prayer bring, uh, bring believers together? Well, prayer begins and is based upon our relationship. It's based upon our relationship that we have with the Father um, through Christ. And as, as we read this morning, as Jesus taught his disciples, the first word of the Lord's Prayer is our Father. That's a, that's a plural. That's a collective. We all have relationship um, with the Father. As Americans, we tend to see ourselves as, as individuals, as consumers, as independent um, and 
Jesus throws all that away when we start with our. Um, why? Because prayers, prayers is a means of, gra- means of grace, but it's also a way that God ministers, ministers to us. Um, not just for me, um, but for us, for the body. Uh, it's true that prayer is something that we do in private, and Jesus uh, did uh, instruct us to, um, to withdraw to pray. Um, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, When you pray, don't be like the Pharisees who stand up and they love to be known for their prayers and they pray aloud. Rather, go into your closet, go in secret, and pray to the one who is in secret, and he who knows what you need. He, and he already and he already knows what you need, and he will reward you in public. Yes, we are to pray alone. But he's reminding us that even in our private prayers, our prayer is something that we do together. That we're not, um, and uh, that prayer unites us to the body. You know, these early believers thrived and relished in this belonging. When we engage in times of corporate prayer, uh, we're a part of this. Our prayers are joined to the prayers of the body. And at any one moment, our prayers are, are not alone, as we, we heard it in the prayer this morning about the, our, our prayers are joining the prayers of other churches who are worshiping at this time. And those prayers are going to continue all around the globe um, this Sabbath. Um, and it's, we're, we're not alone in our prayers. So what does it look like for us um, in our lives and in our, context, our personal context in Slovakia? One thing that we do... Um, that stands out to many is that we meet weekly for prayer as our, as our team. Every Wednesday morning for about three hours, we, we carve out time to pray as a team. Um, and as a result of, pr- this, uh, of praying together regularly is that we remember our prayers. Um, we'll ask uh, each other about our, the, the things we've prayed about. Um, how did that gospel appointment go? Um, what did the doctor say? Uh, how is Isabel doing in her new school? Um, and, and, as, and we're reminded, um, t- and, and we recount um, God's answers to our prayers um, and his work in our lives and our ministries. And this leads us, like the early church, into praising God um, for his faithfulness, for his goodness. We're in the habit of regularly hearing our fellow um, believers pray for us. And it's powerful um, in deepening our relationship um, to one another and to our Heavenly Father. Uh, to have people pray over you. Before we were in ministry, Rebecca and I were a part of a church uh, that was being planted in Salt Lake City, Utah. There not, a, not a whole lot of evangelical believers, even fewer Reformed um, believers um, in, 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 that, in that city, as you might imagine. However, when we came to worship um, together, we didn't want to leave. We didn't want it to end. Um, and Often, after church, we would announce, we're going to go over to this restaurant, and, um, and anyone who wants to join us for lunch, uh, for a time of fellowship, can join us. And it was not surprising for 30 to 45 people to show up at the restaurant. We started realizing we need to call ahead um, to let them know we were coming. Um, but we, we weren't done with each other. Um, and in Slovakia, uh, at the, um, as Rebecca shared earlier, the, the moms at Mommy Club, they feel this this belonging, and they feel appreciated and loved, and um, they're hearing the gospel. They're experiencing it in relationships. Um, They're seeing it in practice between Rebecca and the other Christian moms. Um, And like she said, we have this this saying that belonging 
comes before believing. Uh, in, in the book Total Church by, by pastors uh, Tim Chester and Steve Timmis, uh, they describe a community of believers as being gospel-centered and being community-centered. And when these principles um, take precedence, precedence, says the author, authors, um, the truth of the word is upheld, the mission of the church is carried out, and the priority of relationships is practiced in radical ways. The church becomes not just another commitment to juggle, but a 24-7 lifestyle of sharing lives, reaching out, and learning about God together. And we see this in our ministry in Slovakia. We share the gospel um, with words. We develop relationships uh, with our lives, and we introduce others into our community of believers. When we are reaching out to others, they hear the words of the gospel. They feel the gospel in our relationship, and they, um, they see the gospel in practice. And this is a powerful three-pronged uh, gospel message. When we lived in another city, um, when we lived in another city, uh, Rebecca had a friend who we used to call her tornado friend, uh, because when she would come to uh, our house with her kids, it was it was like the Tasmanian devil did a couple laps, uh, and, and bef- before they left, um, but she kept coming. She kept coming to our house, uh, and Rebecca kept pursuing her. Um, she came to mommy club eventually. She came to church, and she now professes faith in Christ. When we moved away, um, she wrote to Rebecca, and she shared, I'm going to miss coming to your house. It's the only place I've ever seen what love looks like. Hearing that confession from, at the time, uh, a non-believer was a powerful encouragement that what we were doing was on the right track. So in conclusion, if I can distill down um, what I've talked about this morning, I would say this. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. We talked about many ways, uh, about many ways how to do that, how to be together uh, with one another. And lastly, tell somebody about Jesus. Let the world around you know the reason for your togetherness. Let's pray.